Uh, We are right now in a series walking through the letter of Colossians, and the the reflection this morning is going to be quite short amongst everything that's happened today, but it's important just as we kind of engage this letter and what it's speaking and saying to us to just be reminded of God's work in the world. And it's fascinating to me that as we've kind of looked at this letter, that what the passage in which Paul is writing in, in today, it really syncs up with Pentecost Sunday. So Pentecost was this day 50 days after Easter uh, in the original story where the disciples and apostles were meeting in an upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to be given to them. And it's really a sign and marker from the Old Testament that the, obviously, Uh, Israel was taken out of slavery through the Red Sea and then 50 days later they were given the law. Now this New Testament church, the same type of markers are on them as a community as they become people who receive the Spirit and live in the way of Jesus. And what Paul is actually writing here ties deeply to the giving of the Spirit within the church. So important. Now, Uh, Colossians 2, verse 16, my header, and the headers were obviously not in the original text, but my header in the NIV says, freedom from human rules, which is interesting. It says this, verse 16, if you have a Bible, read with me. Just listen if you don't, no sweat. It says this, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Listen to what Paul says. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is not in those things now. It's found in Jesus Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. Listen to what Paul says. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Now, if you've been around the story for a while, we pick up these New Testament letters and Paul all over the place is talking about Jewish stuff, right? Uh, Festivals, uh, kosher eating habits, all of these kinds of things. And here we sit in 2023 and you're like, man, all I'm thinking about is lunch and a a sunny Sunday afternoon, right? It can feel at times like there's a disconnect because probably most of us in this room are not like fighting, uh, keeping like kosher laws and, and these kind of uh, days within the calendar of the Jewish tradition. So there's tension here because this is actually what Paul is dealing with. One of the things he's dealing with in this community as they are kind of not just being influenced by the culture outside of them but within is that there were kosher, kosher eating habits and there were Jewish holy days and Paul now is flipping them on their head and relaying to this community that these preparations were actually for Christ's King Jesus, his new age that he would usher in. 
So if you know the story of Israel, this is something that marked them. They had the law, which was a, a boundary around them, and that included how they ate and different practices that they entered into, Yom Kippur every year, and Passover that they would celebrate, the articulate meal that they would have at Passover, remembering their story out of exile. And if you weren't participating in those things, you were actually outside the people of God. And now, Paul is saying that those things were part of the story in the past, but these rules that marked out the Jewish community from their pagan neighbors, uh, it's changing in light of Jesus. You know, a failure to observe these things implied that you did not belong to the people of God, but now Paul comes along and he believes that Christianity is actually the fulfillment of those things. That Christianity is the fulfillment of Judaism. One theologian scholar says, Christians are members, I love the language here, of the age to come for which Israel had been waiting. So it's not dismantling Israel's story and the Hebrew people's story. It's the reality that the new age has come and now, a couple thousand years later, we sit in a glass room in the middle of a city in Ontario, Canada, and this actually matters for us. That Jesus, this is what Paul is saying, Jesus inaugurated the age to come and it is here all around us. Hence, people going into the water and coming out as an initiation rite into the community and as a sign of that in our moment. There's the picture that now that this reality has come, there is no point, Paul believes, in clinging to the shadows. No point now in holding to kosher eating or these kind of religious holidays or rhythms within the year, but that now there's new life in Jesus and there are new types of rhythms that we actually enter into. Two of the most prominent ones are obviously around the idea of baptism, these new markers of faith, baptism, going into the water and coming out, and obviously the bread and cup, that communion or the Eucharist would be these new markers for us as far as people who have faith. This is what we do in light of Pentecost. This is what we do in light of the Spirit being given to the church, that Jesus has conquered death and that he is victorious that we enter into the beautiful story, that we no longer have to climb ladders or try and be better or try and do things to kind of get to God, that he comes to us and invites us in by grace. Do you see the connection between what Paul is saying and Pentecost? No more climbing the ladders, brothers and sisters. No more trying harder. Jesus has come to us and he says, it's not, you're not judged no more by what you eat or drink or what festival you go to or what you enter into. The marker for us is allegiance. Now, I get the Jewish stuff, and again, that doesn't apply for us. But one of the things that we can do is we can ask the question, what is coming after our attention? So sometimes we think of religion primarily as like the, you know, the four major religions in the world or whatever, but really, we know that our hearts are oriented and bent towards stuff, and it may not be your classic like religion of the day, but there's a lot of things in our moment, at least I know in my own life, my heart can be oriented towards, right? Uh, I think it was Calvin who said, you know, our hearts are like idol factories. We're born to worship. It's just where we're gonna put our attention to. 
You know, the mo- moment I live in, I'm challenged. Is it youth sports or, you know, uh, whatever it is. I think of so many things that kind of draw our attention. Media, the flickering pixels, the, the, the things that want to draw us in, whatever it is. What kind of things are drawing it, us into? What kind of practices do we feel like we are being drawn into? It may not be kosher eating. It may not be ce- celebrating Yom Kippur. But I think a couple thousand years later, there's always the tension for us at Pentecost that the Spirit's been given, and where is our allegiance? You know, I've been wrestling this week with a metaphor. I'm terrible with metaphors. They say in counseling you should be good with metaphors. I'm terrible. I like rack my brain at night trying to think of good metaphors and thinking about what Paul is actually saying here as he talks about Judaism being fulfilled into Christianity. And at first I thought maybe it's like, Judaism is the appetizer to the main course, but we all know like appetizers could be really, you know, good and it is, there's tension there and kind of framing it like that. And then I got thinking, you know, maybe the picture that Paul is giving here in his me- as a metaphor is understanding a seed that grows into a tree, right? Judaism and what Paul was dealing with and Israel's story represents the seed, the ancient religious tradition that forms the foundation of Christianity. And though it's deeply rooted in history and the Old Testament, it's like the seed for what would come. Each tree, you know, if some of you know this, starts as a dominant seed and that starts, that seed starts to grow after it gets wet and it can grow and it takes time and germination and some of you know this, it takes weeks and several months in the patience of that seed taking root But imagine what Jesus is doing in the world as that big oak tree right in your backyard. The thing that will last. The picture Paul is giving is that everything that came before, not that it was bad, but it is setting the entire cosmos, the entire world up for this revolution that Jesus is king and he has inaugurated his kingdom. And that frees us from all the religious stuff in a negative sense. Certainly we're people of practice. We, we enter into baptism and com, you know, communion and Eucharist and we sing together and we come around the scriptures. All of that, all of those things are very formative, but we are not bound by these things. We are brought into new life. Listen, at Pentecost, <laughs> we don't get it because of the very egalitarian moment we live in. What was happening in that moment was upside down. The disciples are called to go to this upper room to wait for the Spirit. What does that even mean, right? Like, think about yourself in that moment. It comes as they prepare and as they seek and they wait on God. And Peter's first inclination, of of course, is the hyperlink. I mean, the Bible and the, the apostles were very much hyperlinked to the Old Testament. And his first inclination is to go back to Joel He quotes Joel, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I mean, to hear the stratified moment of that day, even within the early Christians, was all over the place. Um, Social status meant something. Um, You couldn't, at times, be a a citizen in the Roman Empire, which was such a a massive thing in their moment for rights and freedoms within the empire. And Paul gets up and says, the spirit has been given to all people. Your sons, young people, and who? Your daughters will prophesy. Think about that. 
That may not seem upside down in our moment in, in, in time, but to receive that in that moment, your daughters and sons will pro- prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will, come on, somebody, you know, those of us o- over 40, come on, yeah, I can say that now this week, it's great. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Brothers and sisters, no more climbing the ladder. God's invitation to us is himself as king. This wasn't an accident this morning. You know, the the idea of inviting and welcoming a young child into the community in the way of Jesus. Putting people into the water and bringing them out as a sign of death, burial, and now resurrection on Pentecost Sunday. This is not a mistake, brothers and sisters. No more trying to be something we're not. We live into the reality of what Paul says here to keep connection with the head. This is all about Jesus. Paul says of this, these, these spiritual kind of people that are trying to kind of climb the ladder, they're more Gnostic in their approach. He says, they've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments grows as God causes it to grow. Jesus, the picture Paul gives, is the head and we are deeply connected as that body. Are you with me? This is, I'll give my life to this, brothers and sisters. I don't, I don't know how happy or excited you are about that, but for myself, I am in on this thing because it's not just about what God is doing here. It is the entire cosmos. Pentecost rearranges everything. Some of you, before we come to the table, some of you remember in the Old Testament story what happens at Babel. They try and make this monstrosity to kind of climb the ladder to God. And what does God do? He messes with what? Anybody know? their language. There was one common language. God messes with it. Now there's a multiplicity of languages. What's fascinating at Pentecost is these people get in the upper room. There are people coming from all over the land, all sorts of different languages represented, and yet what happens? One unified story that Jesus is king. Amazing, right? One unified story Amongst the people, the languages are the languages coming back together. These people from all over the diaspora come together and the Spirit comes on them and there is one common story and that story is Jesus is King. You don't have to do the kosher eating stuff. I know that's probably not really relevant for us. The Holy Day stuff, hey, you know what? That, that, that may not be our thing, but we are called to this freedom in Jesus that the Spirit gives. And what better way to celebrate and understand this then come into the table as a way in which there's bread and juice, bread in the cup that remind us of God's work in our lives, in our place and time, as a way to remind ourselves. So we're gonna sing, we're gonna celebrate, we're gonna uh, celebrate this morning the giving of the Spirit to the church. And there's a couple things I wanna encourage us in as we do this. One is simply as we sing and celebrate, receive the Spirit. It's not for the upper class. It's not for somebody you think is more spiritual. The spirit is given to all of us and and available to all of us this morning. And there is no better day, no matter your background, your experience in the church, whatever. I don't really care about that as much as there is a God who wants to pour his spirit out on us. And two, as we walk down, if you're comfortable with this this morning, and you grab that bread and cup, may it be a reminder to us of there are new markers and new signs for us. And that sign is in our taste buds, remembering what Jesus has done, but ultimately as well, remembering 
what, he, what he's preparing for us. Thinking on this day and age that will come. God inaugurates his kingdom through Jesus, but brothers and sisters, we are moving somewhere. As these guys went into the water this morning, it's a sign of new life, and obviously they won't be perfect as they walk, but there will be a day when heaven comes back to earth and Jesus reigns. And this is what was in Paul's mind for the church 2,000 years ago. And as we eat and drink this morning in really little ways, may it be a reminder to us of the same thing. You with me? You out there? You're quiet. You're scaring me. You out there? Jesus is king. Let's pray. Team's gonna come. We're gonna come to the tables. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your love, for your grace. I pray over the next couple minutes that there would just be just a move of you as we open our hearts and our lives to you. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Thank you for what you've done. But I pray right now that as we celebrate, we would receive the Spirit. And as we eat and we drink in really small ways, may we be reminded of your work. That's our prayer. That's our prayer.